Welcome to Hashtag SAP Talks, where each month, your host, David Trites, introduces you to a company that has successfully transformed their business using SAP solutions. Business challenges, best practices, and lessons learned are all revealed. Now, here is your host and moderator, David Trites. Hello, hello, and welcome to SAP Talks with small and mid-sized businesses. Today, we're going to be talking about growth and digital transformation. Two very important topics these days in the world of small business. Joining me in this conversation are two experts in the field. First up, let me introduce Paula Muse, COO and CFO of Xena Gypsy Tea, a small organic fair trade tea company based in California. Hello, Paula, and welcome to the show. Hello. And next, let me introduce Ursula Ringham. Ursula is a director of digital marketing at SAP and focuses on small and mid-sized enterprises. Hello, Ursula. How are you doing? I'm doing great, David and Paula. We're excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah. So let's let's warm up with a little uh, tea talk since we're uh, we're talking to Zena's Gypsy Tea. Uh, Paula, I assume you're a tea drinker. I am sitting with a cup of caramel chai in front of me. I bet. What's your favorite uh, flavor these days? Well, it depends on the season. I am a wild berry drinker in the summer because I like it iced and it's good. It's herbal. <laughs> How about you, Ursula? Are you a tea drinker? You know what? I actually am. Um, I'm kind of an anomaly in Silicon Valley that I don't drink coffee. I prefer tea. Peppermint is my favorite, and looking at Benny and Gypsy's tea, I think I would choose the rose mint herbal. That sounds delicious. Yeah. It is fantastic. So I grew up in Nova Scotia, east coast of Canada, and uh, my mom was an avid tea drinker. So I've been drinking tea for, I don't know, as long as I can remember. And my favorite is still Earl Grey. I know it's a little boring, but it uh, must be by English roots. Well, the thing about Earl Grey is that it's actually, it's a, it is a classic, and the oil of bergamot is a citrus-based oil, and it actually, in aromatherapy, has mood-enhancing qualities. So it actually is supposed to brighten your day by having a cup of Earl Grey. Wow, did not know that. That is good to know. That's why it's so popular in England, right? You have all that gray weather, and so then you need bright tea to <laughs> counteract yeah, it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that is it. <laughs> so tea is big business. You know, I read a stat the other day. It says on any given day, 158 million Americans are drinking tea. That's a, that's a lot of people. So, Paula, you guys must be pretty busy over there at uh, Zena's Gypsy Tea. We are busy, and lucky for us, the specialty tea category is really booming. So the traditional tea category in the U.S., actually, U.S. is an anomaly in that it consumes more iced tea than hot tea than other large tea-drinking countries. But in the specialty tea category, which is where we fit nicely, we are seeing about an 8% growth annually. And that includes, you know, the adoption of green tea. And we have found as baby boomers are aging and people become more health conscious and learn more and more about tea that, um, you know, people obviously are drinking more green tea and more flavored teas and sort of more exotic things. And so that's where the specialty tea category comes in. So we are very excited, and we continue to innovate to try to find ways to service that market and bring things to market that people are excited about. Yeah. So give me a little bit of uh, background information about, about the company. So Zena's Gypsy Tea was started in 2001 by Zena, and actually her background was in aromatherapy, so we do sort of keep a track of a lot of that knowledge. We uh, started up in Ojai, California, and she actually started selling tea out of a friend's gift shop off of a cart, and she was hand-blending the teas at home at night and selling them in half-pound and one-pound bags. 
And she took the company from that to grocery. Uh, luckily, Whole Foods was an early adopter of the product because it is organic and fair trade and started having a tea bag cut, which is a finer cut than a full-leaf tea uh, product packaged in a round tea bag in a gold tin, which we're still in today. That is still our signature product on the shelf at the grocery store. Today, 15 years later almost, we, um, we do 175 different finished products in a variety of packages, loose tea and tea in the tin and um, iced tea and all manner of <laughs> ways to drink tea that we produce and pack primarily in the U.S. and um, and we have grown significantly and continue to grow. So it's been a great ride. Yeah, and I... And, and Paula, I love the story of just the organic side of it and the fair trade and what a unique story that this woman started this business uh, with a love for tea but also wanting to make a difference in the world. Um, that's definitely admirable and something that I look for when I go and buy products these days. Yes, and it, it is part of sort of who we are as a corporation and including sustainability. We, we also feel good about the tin. It's 100% recyclable and we like that aspect of it as well as is our glass jar. So it was important to her and also as a female, it was really important to her that the tea workers who are primarily women in third world countries were treated fairly. And so fair trade was also very near and dear to the founder's heart and we continue to support fair trade to this day. So are you selling teas uh, around the world, or do you just sell in uh, North America? What's your distribution? We do export a bit, uh, not much. Organic is a complicated subject because different countries have different organic standards and guidelines and treatment requirements for things like lemon peel and you know some of the ingredients that are in our more complex blends. Um, so it makes exporting complicated, and we are still a fairly small um, company, and so it's not an area that we have really worked at. What we have worked at in the last six years that I've been here is really market penetration in the contiguous U.S., but also Canada. Okay, and now we're going to take a quick break to hear how easy it is to live simple every day. Hi, this is Reno Samuel. Leading by example and creating a simpler workplace is critical to making SAP not only a great place to work, but also a shining example of a company that practices what it preaches. However, finding simplicity as an operating principle in business or in life is not a given. It takes work. Finding simple requires a sustained commitment and a mindful effort to remove the shackles of the complexity. For example, at work, my travel and expense reimbursement process has become much easier with the Concur travel and expense system. In the past, after a business trip, I would find all my receipts, photocopy them, scan and upload them to the expense system. This would usually take place during my off hours and over the course of several days. Now with Concur, I simply take an image of the receipt from my iPhone and upload directly to get reimbursed. Not only does it save time, but it gets my money to me quicker. Less effort wasted on administrative tasks afford me the time at home to spend with my family. That's the impact of striking the balance of work and life through simplification. Welcome back to uh, SAP Talks. And don't forget, if you're on social media, use hashtag SAP Talks on Twitter. 
I'm here with Paula Muse, COO and CFO of Zenith Gypsy Tea, and Ursula Ringham, Director of Digital Marketing at SAP. And we're just talking about how Zenith Gypsy Tea has uh, transformed their business from more of a paper-based organization to a little more digital. So, Paula, if you can, uh, give me some background about how you guys are running the business uh, previously and, and some, of the, some of the things you've done to uh, digitize your business and, and you know, streamline some of, your, some of your processes. So when I joined Zena's Gypsy Tea in 2009, we were using QuickBooks and Excel to manage all of the ERP functions. QuickBooks uh, as you know, is a great product, but a very simple product. And yeah. as a tea company with multiple warehouses in multiple countries, trying to manage location of product is very difficult in QuickBooks. It does not naturally support location. And so we ended up setting up multiple SKUs for the same product to identify which warehouse the product was in, which is not the most efficient way to run a business. And then we right. used, for demand planning and supply chain, we used Excel uh, spreadsheets to try to forecast and then roll that forecast into components and then into purchase orders. So a pretty cumbersome product uh, project. So working in the um, SME market, the small and mid-sized enterprise, I find there's a misconception around choosing an ERP solution, an enterprise resource planning solution. Um, small businesses feel they're too expensive or only for large companies. Paula, what was it about Dana Gypsy's Tea that you decided to look at an ERP? There were a couple of factors in the decision. One, obviously, was the immediate accounting and supply chain requirements of trying to locate our inventory, know where it was, what the status of it was, whether or not it was expiring, the demand planning aspect of being able to order products with longer lead times and shorter lead times and being able to keep track of all of that, but also uh, the connectivity, uh, being able to access SAP anywhere, anytime, and also uh, the bill of materials element, being able to really track our costing uh, for our product and not uh, being blindsided by creep in yield loss and some of the things that happen when you're manufacturing a consumer packaged good. And lastly, we felt there was a credibility element using an SAP product. We are venture capital backed at this time and moving out into the marketplace, you know, the venture capitalists would like someday for the company to be acquired or merged with a larger entity. And the reality is that a lot of the larger food companies use an SAP product. But even if another investor came in as we continue to grow, having really sturdy, robust accounting ERP functions in the back of the house really gives the company a lot of credibility as an organization. Yeah, I found that interesting in your story because you were growing at, I think, 237%. And for a lot of small companies out there, they get too complex by having too many solutions. Like you had Excel and QuickBooks. And as you said, you couldn't see everything at once on the same page. And so the idea that, you know, and the possibility that your company might be acquired in the future, um, you needed to have a platform that it was credible and reliable. And I thought that was so key to your story and how... SAP was able to um, simplify um, the complexities in running new business. And it continues to do that in that one of the first things we did after we got SAP running was we 
connected our website to SAP, and we were actually able to reduce headcount as a result because no longer are you keying orders from your website into your accounting system. And every time you key any transaction in an ERP system, the chance for human error exists. And so every time you can transfer that transaction directly to another system, then the less likely you are to make an error of you know just a clerical type. We then more recently added another module that allows us to connect directly with our trucking companies, and we can see the pricing of our choices right on our outbound logistics screen, which is a great cost saver. Our warehouse guys don't have to type up the bill of materials. It's exported, again, saving time and headcount, and we get to manage costs all of the time because we can see what the best price is for that shipping lane. So it continues to be a great platform for all of our technology requirements as we grow and continue to try to cost cut. Yeah, on the the margin side, I can't imagine uh, the margins being too too fat. They're probably pretty thin with with T, and um, being able to analyze your bill of materials and streamline that process probably helps you helps you manage that process. It does a great deal. No tea is grown in the United States and so we obviously import all of our tea and then we are, like I said at the beginning, primarily a specialty tea company and so we do a lot of things like chai. Chai tea yeah. has sometimes as many as 14 ingredients in it and so they're all organic and fair trade where there are fair trade op- options really, you know, makes for a complex supply chain. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on the headcount part, you were talking about earlier, obviously, that's, that's an important thing, too, for small businesses. You know, you want to keep your headcount as, as low as possible, even though you're trying to grow. Um, but uh, the solution you're using is also cloud-based. And uh, how does that help you, you know, manage your, your IT infrastructure, if you want to call it that? How does it help you manage your IT you know, with uh, minimal resources. It's a beautiful thing, and it absolutely was part of the decision. We we looked at, uh, many of us came from a Sage environment, and, you know, we're more familiar with that product. And, you know, there's always sort of a reluctance to go to something new when you're familiar with something old, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. all of the terminology and the screens and sort of silly things like that. But it, sometimes that absolutely colors your decision. Um, sure. But that, there was no cloud-based, option available at the time. And so we really wanted that, one, for connectivity, but also so that we could log in. I love the app on my phone where my key metrics come up. I love being able to put a purchase order in from 35,000 feet when I'm in an airplane or being able to look something up. I love the fact that I don't have to have an upgraded server every six months to try to support the latest upgrade in the accounting software, and therefore I have to be on the newest version of Windows Server, whatever, and, you know, trying to manage all of that on top of trying to run a company. And so it really was a headcount issue because when you get into complex server configurations and switches and backups and server licenses and all of that, it really does require time and money and energy, and it's time and money and energy we have not had to spend. We have the original server we brought to Los Angeles from Ojai, and it's backed up and going strong because we don't abuse it with really robust applications. 
First of all, are you seeing a lot of other small businesses move to the cloud? I mean, I think it would be uh, very advantageous for them. No, definitely. Um, cloud is um, on the sites of a lot of businesses right now because, as Paula mentioned, um, you don't have to have a huge IT infrastructure uh, to manage everything when it's in the cloud, and that is a big cost savings for small businesses. And so, you know, the one thing that, you know, SAP likes to tell our small business um, audiences, don't be afraid of the ERP. Um, it is something that um, is not as expensive as you think, and it's not just for large companies. And an ERP that can be in the cloud, as Paula described, I, I love, Paula, that you can be on an airplane where you can be, you know, looking at your iPhone or your phone, and you can just, you know, have reports uh, tee up right there. Um, it makes it very convenient. Um, and it simplifies the whole business process. Um, so, David, yes, um, small businesses are definitely looking at the cloud. Yeah. So, how, how has the platform helped you help you uh, help you grow uh, for Zenus Zenus T? How has it uh, enabled you? Has it enabled you guys to look at any you know different markets, or different products, or different segments? I think the best example of how having an, a robust ERP function behind us has helped us grow is really in managing costs. It yeah. allows us to be profitable, and it requires any business requires profit to reinvest back into the company, unless you've got somebody with very deep pockets, which we have, you know, been self-funded since the uh, investment in 2009. So, right. it really, it, like you said earlier, grocery is razor thin margins. It's very competitive out there. If you stand in the aisle at the grocery store, you will see that there are probably 35 different brands up on the shelves, and very small amount of linear feet in the scheme of things in terms of, you know, what grocery stores are trying to offer to their customers. And so a lot of times price is an issue. But more than that, I think, you know, after we've been through the recession, what people are really looking for is a value proposition. So it's not necessarily that the customer wants a $199 product. They're willing to pay for a product if they feel that that product is a good value proposition. And in order to present a really strong value proposition, you have to have something unique that tastes good, the organic and the fair trade, all of that, you know, makes our ingredients more expensive, um, but it creates a better tasting product. And so our customers are very loyal and, you know, we look through some of our website purchases even, which is a very small part of our business, but we have customers who purchase from us on a very regular basis and have for seven years. I mean, you can just see the history going back and, you know, we love those customers, but... So it is a value proposition, and being able to manage your margins closely is very important for reinvestment in the long run and being able to try out new products. So two years ago, we launched our glass jar product, and we feel that there is not another competitive product out there like that. It's a full-leaf tea in a beautiful glass jar. But the opportunity was available to us because we were able to manage our costs so carefully. We understand so clearly because of SAP and the bill of materials exactly what our tea costs are and the label and the import of the glass jar and the freight to move the glass jar to the distributor. And all of that information is what has allowed us to price it competitively, get it out into the marketplace, and really have a beautiful product on the shelf. Yeah, that's great. Having all that information uh, quickly and accurately really helped you put together, you know, the products and, and like you said, get them out there uh, at a price that's going to benefit everybody, really. The price, probably the best price you can get for the customers and also still, you know, you got to make your margins and run your business. 
Paula, Paula, I have a question for you. Um, I know that uh, Zenia Gypsy T was an early adopter of the SAP Business by Design, but now you uh, work with a partner navigator. Um, you know, SAP partners are very helpful to our customers, and, you know, I'd heard that in our discussion today that you've added different modules onto the Business by Design um, solution. Is that a, a very good relationship for you to have a partner helping you, um, you know, uh, with the solution and managing the business? Absolutely. It's critical, honestly, because SAP is a cloud-based product. They do the updates for you, which is lovely, but they also send out huge documents about what the update's going to impact, and it's really nice to have somebody out there who understands all of that and can sort of give you the highlight version for your company. You're going to want to consider A, B, and C out of a seven-page document. That alone is critical. But in addition to that, they, because they're involved in a lot of businesses, they go out and see other uses of similar functions in SAP, and they bring them back, and they share them with us. We, uh, they put on a conference annually and get a bunch of users together so we can talk about how we're using SAP, any issues we're having. They have had SAP come out and let us speak directly to SAP about functionality we would like to see enhanced or expanded, and it's really been a great relationship, and they have done a great job of not only bringing more technology and more functionality uh, to us, but also supporting us in implementing it and making really good business decisions about that. Because having somebody who's your partner who's more interested in a revenue aspect than in a functionality aspect is not always the right partnership, and this one has been a great partnership for us. So it seems like all around everyone is trying to simplify the complexities and help your business grow. That's always a great story that we like to hear. It is. It's very helpful because at the end of the day, that's why I come to work every day. It's not to be the logistics person, you know, to have all of that handled for us so that we can focus on making sure our customer has the highest and best experience and really achieves that value proposition is why we come to work every day. I just want to touch on one of the things you talked about earlier, Paul, like this this transformation, you know, moving from a way of running business in the past to uh future, and it's, it's not always easy. I mean, small business, large business, doesn't really matter. Um, I think uh, part of the, that transition, that change management, the organizational side of things and the training and getting your getting the employees comfortable with the solution is really important. Obviously, um, the partner can help with that and the, and the training with that because it, it does play a, a big part in the success of, of the solution and uh, success, you know, to the business. Absolutely. As with any technology project, the underlying data is critical. And if you do not understand your company's business processes and you don't capture that in the way you import the data so that the bill of materials or the demand planning or the inventory reporting all make sense to you, then all of your efforts were for naught. And so having a partner who can sort of lead you down the path through a set of questions and not just hand you a set of Excel data tables to try to to import SKUs into the system, you have to understand what the implications of the decisions that you're making are at the time that you are laying out the data tables and the processes for your company. And with a large project product like SAP, there are sort of set business processes and you 
work with your business partner to figure out how to best use those processes for your company, for your staff, and for your business processes. So, well, what advice would you have for other companies that are similar size to your small businesses that are looking to move from uh, an environment like QuickBooks or Excel or Google Docs or, you know, whatever whatever they're using right. today, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to move to something that's a little more integrated, like an ERP solution. What advice do you have to small businesses that might be wary of doing that? I think the analysis just needs to be broader than perhaps the cost of the software. Um, if you were to just get out your pencil and compare the cost of SAP by design to QuickBooks, obviously there's no comparison. One is nearly free and the other obviously has a cost associated with it. But if you were able to take a step back and look at it as an ERP solution and look at the headcount and the connectivity and the opportunities going forward in terms of a long-term investment of being able to digitize records and not have to store them and shred them and being able to track all of your inventory and then the reduction in your IT costs, I think you would see over the long run that it is a much better investment. And again, it's just a very strong platform that SAP works continually on improving. Paula, I think you hit on something there with the long-term investment. I think so often small and medium enterprises, as they're growing, they just want sometimes just a quick fix just to get the job done because they're growing and they don't want to look into uh, you know, a solution that to them on the outside might assume to be more complicated, but in the long run, it's not. It's uh, you're complicating your, your business by not simplifying with going with one system or solution that can solve all the business needs there. Um, and SAP is there for the long term. Um, you know, I think in the industry, people know us as this big, large company for large enterprise, but we are there for the small business as you grow into a larger business. And one way to cheat it would be to move while you're small so that you have less to import. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> That's right. No, I think it's just very hard for small businesses to stop. You know, I mean, it's usually one or two or three people running a company. It's, it's go, go, go. It's your, it becomes your life. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And to have the time to stop and, and, and change and implement something new is a big endeavor. But uh, in the long run, like you said, it's, it's probably advantageous, especially if you're looking at uh, growing the business, especially internationally, if you're going foreign currencies, uh, and if you're also, like you guys are talking about, um, talking to investors, potentially, you know, buying the company or investing in the company down the road, they see you using a, a solid platform for growth, and uh, they take you a lot more seriously. So it's very hard for businesses to step back and, and do that, but I think it's probably pretty necessary. And I thought the most interesting comment, Paula, you had made about the tea industry, because I had no idea, was that tea is not made in or grown in the United States. And so as a business out there, if you have your product is made up of all these different components from around the world, it's a very good case study to show the success that you're having, uh, because not everything is made here in the United States. But that was the one fun fact I took away, that tea is not grown in the United States. It is not. There's somebody up in Davis that's growing a little, and there's actually a, a farm that's run by a special needs community that grows and hand packs a tiny bit of tea, but it's really sort of an anomaly in the United States. It's really not a crop that we produce. I'd like to thank our two guests today, Paula Muse from Zena Gypsy Tea and Ursula Ringham from SAP. It was a great conversation. Be sure to check in next month 
for the next session of SAP Talks. And if you're following on social or want to share, please use hashtag SAP Talks. You've been listening to Hashtag SAP Talks with David Trites. To learn more about SAP small and mid-size enterprises solutions, visit sap.com forward slash SME. The best run businesses run SAP. 